Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Jesus, we love you today. You are in this place. Holy Spirit, we feel your presence. We give you this time to have right of way, to do what you have desired to do. Lord, we know not for a minute were we ever forsaken. God, you have been with us all the way. Father, we love you today. We praise you and we glorify you. Lord, we wait upon you right now, God. Father, that you would move in this place, God, that you would touch our lives. Minister to us today, God. Oh, Jesus, we need you. We need your presence. We are desperate for you to move, for you to touch our lives, to change us, to heal us, to deliver us, to give us direction for your provision, God, your great grace in our lives, God. Cause it to be poured out. Cause your grace to abound towards our lives, Father, according to your word. God, that we would have all sufficiency, God, in all things and have an abundance, God, for every good work. God, that you would meet the need. Father, we lift up every family, every home, every person in this room today that, God, either are struggling with a health issue or have someone in their family, a a friend, a, a, a relative, God, that's struggling, God, with some sort of physical issue, God. We pray, God, right now for healing. God, your word declares throughout your word from Genesis to Revelation that you are the Lord, the God that heals us. That you are Jehovah Rapha. And we pray according to your word that you would quicken, God, our bodies. Father, that your your kingdom would come. Oftentimes, Father, when people were healed in the Bible, that it was said that the kingdom of God had come here also. Father, that your glory would be poured out God, in the midst of all that's going on, Father, we pray for those that are struggling with COVID. Father, we pray they would be healed. God, those that are struggling with other issues, Father, that your hand would be upon them, Father, right now. Father, we thank you, Jesus. We give you glory, God. We need you today, God. And we love you, Jesus, and we praise you. Hallelujah. Tell the Lord you love him right now. Just worship him. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated uh, this morning. Amen. I really believe um, this morning that uh, God is doing something new. I believe one of the things that we're going to see more and more of is we're going to see him moving in healing and deliverance and setting people free. Um, we are, uh, we're in a season of life where um, there aren't a lot of answers. The world does not have answers for what our needs are, our questions, the, the dynamics that go through our life. But I do believe God has that answer. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. Before I get started today, a couple things that I want to make mention of. First of all, real quick, uh, the Widow's Might uh, will be meeting Saturday, February 19th in room number eight. Um, It's the Widow's Might is every third Saturday, so mark that down. Um, One of the things that is difficult in a church that's got lots going on is how to 
get all of those announcements out to you. So one of the things that we're trying to develop in is the, the weekly. Amen. You see that bulletin that they hand out. So we're trying to make sure everything that's going on through that, through the week is in that. Now, we're, we're still like a box falling downstairs, hit and miss, but we're getting better. And so as things develop and all of that, make sure you get one of those because we have ministry going on throughout the week. There are Bible studies, there are uh, activities, there are things that are going on through the week, and, and that's just a part of who we are. And so you don't want to miss any of those. Can you say amen to that? So for those of you, you say, well, what's the widow's might if you're here and you have had a loved one pass away and, and you're in that, in that uh, place uh, of grief, even if it's been some time, it's okay, come and be a part of that. They meet every th- uh, third Saturday and you can see uh, Diane Melendez for more information about that. So that'll be the February 19th. Also, we're starting a new ministry and you're gonna see these cards a lot. So right now there's a stack of these cards. It says, Invading the Impossible Prayer Ministry. How many believe prayer invades the impossible? Amen. And so what I just said about the, the season of coming into a place where we're going to really see answers to prayer, this is our response to that. So this flyer uh, has this on the front. And then on the back, what you're going to see is it'll have a place for your name, date, email, phone number, your prayer request. And then it has three options. Would you like an a at-home visit? Would, and then if you do, you have to give your address. Would you like to make an appointment to come to the church for a prayer session? Or would you like a phone call? And so we're asking to do this because we've got several people that have come together that really have a burden to actually contend and pray for those in need. Now you say, well, is that something that's privately in my life? In other words, it's my need. Well, it can be. Or it can be a need in a family member. You can stand in the gap for them. Uh, but if you would like any one of these, there are these stat, the flyers are on the uh, information center. And when you fill one of these out, what you're going to do is don't give it to anybody. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to anybody. Don't give it to the usher. Come to the offering box and just put it in the offering box. And that way we know we will get them and it will go to the right person. So when you fill this out, put it in the offering box and that will help us. And so we'll be uh, scheduling that. So if you have a desire to have somebody come to your home and pray for you. Um, uh, We'll schedule that. We'll call you and figure that out. If you want to come here and have people pray with you here, we'll schedule that and get a hold of you. If you just want us to call, uh, we'll do that as well. And if, uh, uh, I I guess we should probably put a fourth option on there. If you just want us just to pray, uh, we can do that too. So, but we really feel called to uh, contend and believe God for, um, Uh, healing and the miraculous. Can you say amen? Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to the book of James, the book of James today. We'll get to that verse. We're only going to look at one verse of scripture. We'll get to that here in just a few minutes. Um, I want to uh, start this week a short three-week series on the subject, on a subject that I believe is vitally important for our success. This is something that has been uh, stirring in me for quite a while. And what I want to do today is I want to begin exploring the subject of spiritual warfare from the point of view that is often 
overlooked. But before we get to that this morning, I want to set the stage for what we're going to talk about. And so one of the things that I want to do today is I really want to build this platform. And I want to do this biblically. I want to show you what God is doing because I believe that what's happening to many Christians in the church is they are struggling with things unnecessarily. Hear what I'm saying today. I believe they are struggling with, with stuff in their life, whether it be habits they can't seem to break or torment or temptation or things that, that just seems to be uh, um, causing a, 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 a situation in their life. They're hindered, and I believe it's unnecessary. And I believe what we need is we need some very sound biblical teaching. Can you say amen? How many understand today that the Bible was given to us as a tool to help us to navigate the road of life? How to live. Jesus was very concerned with how we lived our daily lives. How we went about enforcing and living at the level that he said that we could. Can you say amen to that? Now, whether you know it or not, we are all surrounded by a spiritual war. There are angels versus demons. Let me, I don't want to shock you today, but there are angels in this room right now. And there are demons in this room right now. You go, really? Demons? Yep. They don't like it. They don't like what's going on. They don't like us singing and worshiping God. Every time we say the name of Jesus, they fall to the floor. So just say it a lot, Jesus, 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 and they just it freaks them all out, you know. But they're in here. It's a war of good versus evil, light versus darkness. And I don't say this to be spooky or creepy or weird or even dramatic and sensational. It's simply a fact. We are at war. There is a conflict that is being waged right now that is wreaking havoc in countless lives. A war that has consequences that will reverberate throughout eternity. And it's in full swing right now. Spiritual warfare this morning is an epic battle that began with the fall of Satan. Actually, technically, it began before that. It began when Satan decided to rise up and try to overthrow the throne of God, and God decisively and quickly put an end to it. So I want to say this before we go too much further in this. The devil is no problem for God. This is not like they are on even footing. It's not like the devil is God's real nemesis. He, he's not. He's a created being that was dealt with decisively and quickly. When he says, I'm going to rise up and ascend to the sides of the north, God said, oh no, you won't. And that quick, it was done. Okay, but you and I, like the devil, are created beings. And God made a decision a long time ago that what God was going to do is ultimately overthrow 
the works and the power of the devil through his children. That he would empower them, that he would equip them, that he would come alongside them and teach them how to do this battle, and that they would take the devil out. Do you ever remember, does, I, I, I'm looking around the room, I'm thinking most everybody here is old enough. Do you remember the, the Looney Tune cartoons? There was a cartoon in that, it was called Tom and Jerry. And Tom and Jerry, every now and then there's a bulldog that was Tom's nemesis. And the bulldog, you know, he would go after Tom and, you know, Jerry, the little mouse, would oftentimes irritate the bulldog and make it look like Tom's fault. So the bulldog would go beat him up. Do you you remember that? Well, um, every now and then the bulldog's little son would show up and he was just this little puppy bulldog. And there was one particular cartoon, it's probably my f- most favorite. And here is Tom, you know, Tom's a big tomcat. And here's this little puppy bulldog, and he's going, ow, 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 ow. you know, he's doing this. And Tom's sitting there like, really, I got to deal with you? And in the background, here is the bulldog dad, and he's going, I don't know how they make fists with their paws, but in cartoons you can't. And so he looks and he goes like that. And so Tom runs up the tree and, and, and the bulldog comes up and he pats his son on the head and goes, see, you did it, son. Well, let me tell you, that's the picture of you and I and God. Here's that we, we're, by ourselves, we're like a little barking puppy dog. We can't do much. But God's standing in the background looking at the devil going, go up the tree. When he starts barking at you, you better run, because I got his back. I got their back. And that's the picture today of this warfare. There is a war that is going on, and the confrontation escalated in the Garden of Eden when the first man, Adam, received nearly a fatal blow by taking the temptation of eating the fruit that was forbidden. And in some ways, this battle really is over. Jesus having stripped the devil of all his power and authority that he stole from Adam, yet in many ways the people of God are still enforcing what Jesus began both to do and to teach, and so the battle rages on. Now here's what's interesting to me. It's when you get saved and start hanging out with Christians, you will often hear them say things like, we're under attack, I'm fighting a battle, I'm wrestling with the enemy. And these statements seem a little strange, don't they? Because there's no planes dropping bombs overhead. There are no men with guns firing bullets at us. There are no commanders yelling orders at their troops. So what does all this mean? Are we really under attack? Is there really an enemy? Is there really such a thing as spiritual warfare? Because to watch some Christians, it's as if they are completely oblivious to any spiritual resistance, to any spiritual strategy against them. I'm amazed at that. The Bible is clear. I mean, God didn't mix words. He said, in this life you will have tribulation. And that tribulation comes from this epic battle. 
But yet when we find ourselves in tribulation, not only are we surprised by it, like what is happening to me, we seem to be completely unprepared for it. Are you hearing me? Because what happens to a lot of Christians is we live life by what our physical senses tell us, convinced that the difficulties that we are facing and experiencing are just a string of bad luck or mean people or bad hair days. Amen? Now, I know, I've been around long enough to know that sometimes a flat tire is just a flat tire. But I also know the devil has a strategy to get you to react wrong to the flat tire. So if you go out, like the other day we did, went out and saw that Kathy's tire was flat. Now, this was after she drove on a flat tire all the way to school. Now, if I were to hear, you know, when she got to school, she goes, I got a flat tire. I said, when did you notice it? She goes, well, well I was driving. I said, you didn't stop? She goes, no, I had to get to school. <laughs> okay. I said, that breaks down the tire. She goes, okay. So now had I went and reacted and took a ball-peen hammer and put about 50 nickel knots on the hood, that's probably me failing to a strategy. But I could go in there, which I did at, in the afternoon. I came and I changed the tire. I took it to Big O, got it fixed, put it back on, and the next day, we were fine. You know what? No problem. But sometimes what happens is the strategy of the devil is, is to take everyday ordinary events that really in themselves have no problem. They have no uh, 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 direction or sinister effect and use it and twist it to where we fall to it right into the strategy of the devil. He'll bring people along in your life that have bad attitudes. Have you ever met somebody with a bad attitude? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever met somebody that's rude? Have you ever met somebody that's impatient? Have you ever met somebody at Walmart that's pushy? Now, you know what? That's just people. It's, it's not necessarily anything. It's just people. But hell has a strategy, and he takes those things, and he will use them so that we fall to them. The problem is, is when that happens, we're taken by surprise. What's happening to me? Well, the devil is trying to stir the pot. He's trying to get you to react in a way that does not glorify God, but actually tears you down. But yet what happens is we find ourselves just thinking, well, this is just another bad day in my long list of bad days for me. I've come to believe that the doctrine of spiritual warfare is one of the most confusing, one of the most misunderstood, and one of the most malpracticed doctrines in all of Christianity. Because spiritual warfare for many Christians is taboo. Because it's just too strange, too scary, too unreal. They're you know, all this talk about demons and devils and spiritual battles and satanic forces seem too much like a cheap movie. And the result is, is most believers live as if the conflict were not happening at all. 
Yet I'm telling you, none of us today are immune from the consequences of spiritual warfare. And all the players in the fight in this invisible realm will face the effects and pain and struggle and defeat and heartache of this conflict every day unless we engage in the battle. Can you say amen? Christianity, by its very nature, is in a conflict with the powers of darkness that rule this world. And until you recognize that, your struggle, until you recognize that your struggle is not with man, say that with me, it is not about man. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's not about man. It's about spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places, and you will never have the victory unless you understand that. Your victory in spiritual warfare must rest on the reality that God has given you everything you need to enforce the victory that Jesus has already secured for us at the cross. Are you hearing me? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are in a battle. That battle, in fact, has been won, but we are now enforcing that victory. Are you hearing me? God has equipped us, he has given us reconnaissance, and he has secured the victory. All we have to do is engage. The problem is, church, that the devil wants to lie, and we buy into the lie, that it's about something other than him. Now, from my observation, many Christians attempt to engage in this spiritual battle with little or no preparation. They've heard sermons on binding and loosening, pleading the blood of Jesus, exercising the authority of Jesus' name, and declaring the word of God against spiritual forces of darkness, only to be defeated beaten, battered, and disappointed that it didn't work like they thought. Because, and I want you to hear this, spiritual warfare is not what you think. Spiritual warfare, listen to me church, spiritual warfare is not the mimicking of spiritual disciplines with no commitment to them. It is not the invoking of Jesus' name without understanding the power in that name. It is not the declaration of promises held only in the mind and not in the heart. Consider the seven sons of Sceva. Acts chapter 19, (coughs) verse 13 through 16. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the, on, call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the name who Paul preaches, by the, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. 
Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who in the world are you? Then the man whom the evil spirit, uh, the, the man in whom the evil spirit was, leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That sounds, we, we chuckle, and it is a funny story. We chuckle at it. But I'm telling you, that story is not 2,000 years old. That is current. Because there are people that engage in this battle, and they are being run out of the house naked and wounded. Simply because they do not understand what spiritual warfare is about. Even in the Old Testament, David understood this, this, this reality at an early age. In 1 Samuel 17, David is about to engage with Goliath, and King Saul offers his armor to him, but David declines it and says, I can't use it because I have not tested it. In other words, it was not personal. He had not made it his own. Church, what is the point that I'm making here? If you do not make what God gives us your own, it won't work. Oh, you'll get something. The name of Jesus does produce. <laughs> Call on the name of Jesus. It will stir the pot. But you might get the pot in the face. <laughs> You're all just looking at me like, what's up his sleeve? Listen to me. See, we, we talk about the Word of God. We talk about knowing the Word of God. We need to know it. And, and when I say know it, we need to have a relationship with it. I'm amazed at how many Christians still struggle over and over and over and over and over and over again with things that they ought not to struggle with simply because they have not personalized or made the Word part of them. Are you hearing me? Amen. See, when it comes to spiritual warfare, we cannot afford to ride on the coattails of someone else's revelation or secondhand experiences. We must have a personal understanding and a personal experience with the weapons of our warfare. That's the whole point of what David was saying. He goes, look, I know that armor, you've got the finest armor in all the land. You're the king. Your blacksmiths make armor better than anyone else, and I'm certain that you use it well. He said, but I haven't tested it. It is not mine. It wasn't made for me. It doesn't fit my frame. He says, but this sling, it delivered me from the bear and the lion." And he says, it's tested in my hand. I know how to aim it. I know how to throw rocks, and I'm accurate. I have tested it. It's mine. And you know what? God will deliver this giant into my hand with this tool. Amen. Why? Was it about the tool? No. It was about the man who held the tool. It was about the relationship he had with God. See, so many times we want to ride in on somebody else's revelation or we want to ride in on someone else's experience. And I understand that because we testify and we talk about the goodness of God that's been done to us. But church, you need to have your own experience. You need to make the word of God your own. You need to know it. You need to mine it out. I remember years and years and years ago, a friend of mine, I worked for him. 
And he told me, I was a young man, this is before I started pastoring. Kathy and I were probably married maybe three, four months. And I remember him saying to me one day, he said, you know what, the devil ain't afraid of you. He says, but the devil is deathly afraid of the word of God in you. And he says, and when you make that word yours, rather than just parroting what someone else says, that you make it yours, you will hold back the powers of hell. So let's look at our text. James chapter 4, verse 7. He says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Church, I declare to you, this is where it all begins. This is where it begins. Before there is binding and loosening, before there is the pleading of the blood, before there is the proclamation and the declaration of the promises of God, before you quote the word, there must first be a submission to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, brother. Thanks, Howie. I appreciate it. It begins with personal submission to God. Listen to me. Without submission to God, there cannot be resistance towards the devil, and he will never flee. I see over and over again well-meaning Christians who are attempting to resist the devil with everything they have in them, only to be overcome because they are not submitted to God. Resisting the devil with our submission to God, or without, I should say, submission to God, is exactly what the seven sons of Sceva did. They weren't submitted to God. They heard Paul. They saw it. They saw Paul cast out a devil probably. They heard about it. They go, wow, this name Jesus, it's got power. We're in the business of exorcisms. We could do this. If, this. if this is a shortcut and we don't have to go to all this stuff, man, imagine the money we'd make. So they found them guys, a demon-possessed guy. They brought him into the office. All seven of them got him in there. They sat him down in the chair and they looked him square in the eye and said, we adjure you in the name Jesus, who Paul uses, to come out. And, I, I, and he did. And you know what? He walked calmly over to the door, locked it, and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but I don't know you guys, and went to town. (laughs) I love that. I'm glad God put that in the Bible. I'm glad he put it in there because we need pictures like that. We need that reality. So what does it mean to submit to God? James tells us if that we're going to be effectively resisting the devil, then we must come to a place, listen, of humility. And we must humble ourselves under God. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. In other words, when we, refuse, when we refuse to be prideful and arrogant, and when we choose to become obedient and conform our behavior to God, we are placing ourselves into a position of submission. 
See, the word submit portrays an individual who willfully submits, them under, submits themselves under the authority of God. Rather than going their own way, they place themselves under God's control and his command. There is nothing accidental or haphazard about it. They have chosen to come under the authority of God and they willfully arrange themselves under the will of God. Submission to God is really a discipline of abstinence because it's about defying or denying ourselves the power or the right or privilege of what we want. In submission, we're choosing to not make things happen for ourselves, not to control people or situations if we can, but instead to come under the Lord's authority, his wisdom, and his power. The greatest example of this for you and I is Jesus himself because Jesus lived submitted to his father. Jesus doesn't try to make things happen himself. In fact, he goes so far as to say, everything I do, I do because I saw the father do it first and he has instructed me. I do it because he tells me to do it. In Matthew 26, 39, he says, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Submission is to literally abandon the outcome to God and to trust him completely. This is something that I have been spending time practicing. This is not something that happens overnight. It doesn't just one day you wake up and you're submitted. This is a decision you wake up every day and you submit yourself. I was talking with Rosemary this morning and we were talking about the issues of resentment and unforgiveness and I mentioned to her, I said, you know what, it's something that probably three, four, five times a day I I check myself. I said, because I don't want anything. I don't want any resentment or any unforgiveness between me and God. And I said, so somewhere along the line, I'm working at it because my natural bend is to be resentful and unforgiving. My natural bend is to hold the grudge. Can you say amen? amen? But what I do is I sit back and I say, God, where am I at? And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to let go of that. But I don't want to let go of that. I know you don't. But you need to let go of that because the only way you'll be delivered, the only way you'll be set free, the only way that you'll walk in victory is when you finally let go. Here's the scary part, and I've shared this before, is that sometimes when you're hanging on to something in your past and God tells you to reach forward to something in your future, there is a moment when you let go, but you have not yet grabbed a hold of, and it's really, really vulnerable. It's in that moment that you are completely submitted to him, and you trust him with all your heart, and you lean not to your own understanding, and he says, I've got you, and I will carry you through. It's in that moment, and it has to be practiced. We have to remind ourselves. It has to be at the forefront of our thinking. Those moments, I've had them. I've gotten angry. I get angry from time to time. I get upset. My feelings get hurt. I want to do stupid stuff. I want to react rather than respond, and a lot of times I have to back myself up. Sometimes I have to stop talking. Sometimes I have to walk away and say, God, what do I do here? God, I don't know what's happening, and when I don't get a word, then I stop. 
I don't go forward. I stop. What do I know? He told me, walk in love. He says, if you don't love, you're a clanging cymbal, a banging brass. So you got to walk in love. I know that. I need to walk in forgiveness. I know that. I know what the Word says. And so when I do that, that's why I know I have to know the Word. I put myself into a place where now the Word of God is guiding me. And it's at that place of submission that now I become effective in resisting the devil. We have gone so far, as I said in the beginning, that because of this lack of submission, we are no longer resisting. I want to tell you something. I want to give you a secret. Can I give you a secret? No one accidentally falls into sin. You're not walking through life and then all of a sudden you trip and fall. Have you seen those commercials on TV lately? Um, I don't know if they've been on TV or maybe they were a video on Facebook or something. But it, it says, when I, I, they, they has the woman, she starts a diet and she's going to reach for the vitamins and as she's reaching for the vitamins on the counter, she slips and she begins to fall and as she begins to fall, she grabs a bag of Doritos but during the fall, the bag is opened and the Doritos fly out and land in her mouth and, the, and all of a sudden when she hits the ground, her mouth begins to chew. A lot of times that's the way, I, I, I've had people, I remember years, I remember years and years ago in Jacob's Ladder, when, when Jacob's Ladder first started, our, one of our first clients out of, out of the, out of the uh, court system, he had come, he was on probation, and uh, one of his probations that he could not drink, he could not go to a bar, and I remember he came and he knew he was going to get in trouble because the, 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 uh, night, the night before he had gotten drunk. And he comes in and he goes, Pastor, I don't know what happened. I said, what, what do you mean? He goes, man, I got off work and I'm driving home and the next thing you know, I'm drunk. And I went, holy cow. He goes, what do you mean? I said, what, you, you're telling me you're driving? Where were you? He goes, well, I was on 95 in Bullhead heading towards Kingman. I said, you're on 95 heading towards Kingman and you're driving and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're stone drunk? I said, that's a miracle. He goes, come on. And I went, okay. He goes, well, he goes, I was driving, and he goes, I see this bar, and I turned in, and, and he said, the next thing you know, I'm drunk. And I went, holy cow! I said, you walked it just merely walking into a bar? Made you drunk? Once again, he goes, oh, come on. And so as I walked him through it, and I was being goofy, and he knew it, is he every step of the way made one decision after another, that got him to the point of drunkenness. I don't care if it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or, or lust or stealing or whatever your thing is, you make a decision. There is a point God promises to every Christian with every temptation, I will make a way of escape. That means at some point, the Holy Spirit is looking at you going, danger, Will Robinson, stop. Stop. 
and you have to respond. That's the moment of submission. It's called obedience. When you stop, you know, I, 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 this, this may be too much, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it because it's the only way I can, it's the only way that I can make my point. There'll be times when I am uh, on my iPad, I'll be laying in the bed at home, laying there and just I'm reading and sometimes I'll get on a thought and so I'll get online with my iPad and as I'm getting online, um, you know, I'm looking up words and different things and I'm going to different websites and, and that kind of thing and I'll, all of a sudden a temptation will drip through. Yeah. It'll be like, Kathy's not here. You're alone. And you know how to erase everything on that iPad. You can look at whatever you want. You know you want to look at it. You know. It'll make you feel better. I won't tell anybody. I have learned that if I don't get up right then, close the iPad and get up, I've learned I'm going to fail. So what I do is I get up, I shut my iPad off, I go in my office, or I get in my truck, or I call Kathy, or I do something because I have to break the flow. If I am faithful to break the flow by putting myself in submission to being obedient to God, then I can resist. But the moment, see, look at, in, in, in James, he says this. He goes, you know, God does not tempt with evil, no, anyone can tempt. He goes, but when, he says this, he says, temptation comes from your desire. He says, when temptation is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is matured, it brings forth death. So what's the key? Where is temptation? Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. So where does it become sin? Where is it conceived? Temptation conceived births sin. Where is it? It's in the will of man. The moment you begin to, in your mind, play with the temptation, you're done. It's just a matter of time. Because now you're pregnant. Spiritually. <laughs> I know I'm on something. My mouth's getting dry. <laughs> so what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you have, to, you have to submit first. There has to be this decision that says, God, I'm going to obey you. I am going to put myself, listen, I'm almost done, church. I'm going to put myself under the influence of God. And when you put yourself under the influence of God, at that very moment, you'll be empowered to resist. And the Bible guarantees you the devil will flee. He will run. He, can't, he cannot fight that. He cannot fight and win and battle a child of God submitted to God. He can't. I want to read you. I'm going to take the time to read it. This is probably the most famous portion of Scripture that talks about submission. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is that talking about? It's talking about coming under the influence of God. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Once again, submission. My God in him I will trust 
Again, submission. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. Again, submission. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only your eyes shall look and you shall, your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Submission. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall have his, give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him, and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is the result of submission. That is the result of putting ourselves under the influence of God. But that is a decision that you'll probably make 400 times every day. Because as human beings, we have this really pesky, habit of pulling ourselves out from under that influence. And when you recognize it, you put yourself back. When you see it, you see yourself going sideways, you put it back. This is such good news for us, church. So really quick as I close, Jason can come if he would play music for us. The key in all this Is what begins by prayerfully going to God and seeking His will, His wisdom, His guidance. Number one. Number two, searching and thirsting after and being quenched by His word and to store it in your heart. I've noticed something. I, this year, again, I, every year I, I come up with a new plan for my Bible reading. And so years, years that have gone by, I've made commitments. I'm going to study. I'm going to you know, study the book of Proverbs or I'm going to study the book of Hebrews or whatever and take a lot of time to do that. This year, I decided to do something different. I decided that what I was going to do is read. I was going to have my time of reading and read as much as I could at each setting. And some people say to me, well, do you learn anything? No, sometimes things will jump out. But what I'm doing is allowing the Word of God to be my necessary food for my soul. And every now and then something will jump out, I'll write it down and go, okay, I'll go study that later. But right now I'm just feeding on the Word I'm reading. And so I'll read anywhere of 15 to 20 chapters a day. I just read, just read. And in this last, what is it, we're halfway through, almost going, almost halfway through February. What I've noticed is in the month and a half, of, of doing that, there has been a new strength. There's been a new thing. I crave it now. It's amazing. I, I'll, I'll come home and I'll, I'll think, what are you, you going to do? I'll, Man, go read your Bible. 
I'll be laying there in bed and I'll re- I want to read. I want to just, I just need to read right now. I need to read. I need to read. There's something insatiable about the Word of God. At first, let me tell you, at first, it's going to seem like a drudgery because it is a conflict. Reading the Word, I had somebody ask me the other day, I, I was down in Phoenix, and they said, how come every time I pray, I'm so embarrassed? Why, why is it that when I pray, I struggle? And I said, because prayer is a conflict with the powers of darkness. They said, well, I'm not afraid to talk in front of people. Yeah, it's not a conflict. But the moment you engage heaven, you are in a conflict. And what you're feeling, the embarrassment you're feeling is not you. It's the lie of the devil saying you're shy. You're not. You're in conflict. And it's trying to tell you you're something that you're not. And so what you do is you push through it. You go, that ain't who I am. And I know it feels a little weird right now. I know it feels a little awkward, but that's okay. I'm going to push through this. It's the same with the Word. You begin to read the Word and you convince yourself, I don't understand this. You don't have to. I don't understand everything I eat. I don't know how eating something in my mouth, and by the time it gets to my stomach, about what, maybe 13 inches, it turns into energy. I don't understand it, but because I don't understand it does not prevent me from doing it, obviously. I'm committed to it. The third thing we need to do is be content with what we have, your life and your family. Realize that you're blessed. Just to be called a Christian, just to live in this country, you're blessed. Just to live in this time of life, you're blessed. Wasn't very long ago, 120 years, life was much more difficult. For you live a life of worship. means you spend time worshiping. Number five, you give up the control of your life and go, God, you're going to just be in control. And number six, just be in love with him. Fall in love with him. So how do you do that? What you pay attention to, you create a passion for. Church, the reason I preach this in in this series that we're going to do, this little three-week series, we're going to look at some stuff that you don't normally look at in spiritual warfare. Because in spiritual warfare, it's all about the binding and loosening and this and that and all that stuff. And all that's real. I'm not saying that. But church, unless you have understood submission to God, all that other stuff ain't working. It won't work. Because it's the submission, it's coming under his influence that empowers that. And too many people are struggling. Too many people are falling victim to things that they ought not to. It's time for us to grow. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we come before you. And we thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you for your truth. And we give you glory and we give you honor. And Father, as we right now do business... And I pray right now that each heart and each life would be taking this moment to examine, even though we're not coming to the altar, but we're staying in our seats and building an altar in our heart, God, to take care of things, to make a commitment to you, to say, you know what, God, I'm going to submit my life to you. I'm going to submit to you so that I can resist the devil, so that he will flee from me. I want that, Lord. If that's you, if you're praying that, then believe that. Make a commitment right now, church. 
make a commitment at your chair as you build that altar in your heart. Say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to begin to practice submission to God. I'm not going to just assume the things I'm going through are just a matter of life. I, I'm going to submit myself to God. I am going to resist the devil, and I am going to watch him flee from me. Hallelujah. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I am not right with God, but you want to be. You want to give your life to Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand all across this place, lift it up quickly and put it back down. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anyone here today, maybe at one time you knew God, you walked away from him, and you just want to be restored. You want to rededicate your life. If Is that you? Would you lift your hand up? Amen. I see that hand. Praise God. Amen. I see that one. Would you all pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sin. Would you be my Lord and my Savior? I submit myself to you. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come, to come up front. And as always, we always have our ministry team come up for all of you. So if you're here today and you are raised your hand, um, just come on up. Let one of these pray for you. If you're here and you just have a need, come on up and let them pray for you. And now we're going to release you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.